you ready you to go? You set, set, set to yeah. go. <laughs> okay, well, uh, hello everyone and happy new year. Uh, this is the 11th Scots Way podcast and today with us uh, is Matt Bergland, the uh, head one show of um, Cargo Publishing. Hello, Mark. Hello, Ali. And uh, we're going to talk all stuff cargo and much more besides we we were a bit like a, one of those radio shows where we're going to have oh look who's just popped in but unfortunately Alan Wilson's had to leave us I was looking forward to doing that it was going to be nice yeah, yeah, yeah. like ring at the doorbell who could that be <laughs> but we'll, we'll talk about him later since he's not here and you can tell me the story about why his nickname is Wolfie oh well there's, there's all kinds of gossip on Alan to be shared <laughs> so uh, excellent his ears will be burning um, so Cargo Publishing give us a brief uh, a history a brief history, and it, it will be very brief since yep. it's uh, it's very young. Um, Cargo started uh, two years ago, it'll be three years in October, and uh, originally started with with just myself and having no clue about the publishing industry, and has finished up with uh, with eleven of us and a whole host of fantastic books and a festival and Scotland's first ever digital label and I still have no clue about the publishing industry so all, all around it's it's come full circle it's become um, less clear as you've moved in yeah pretty much yeah I seem to just keep confusing myself now at this point but um but yeah th- things have obviously evolved over the last two years we've, we've stepped up from doing uh um, very very local new fiction controversial fiction books up to to working with a whole a whole bunch of very, very established and experienced writers this year and still trying to keep our commitment to putting new voices out there. And also we've, we've moved into events, we've moved into digital, we've, we've moved into just about anything we can get our grubby paws on. So it's, it, it's been a lovely journey thus far. I can't say I've slept very much in the last <laughs> uh, two, three years, but it's been nice. It's been great. Uh, well, I think it's maybe, it seems to me it kind of changed the times because there's lots of people who have been in publishing all their lives who I think don't know what the hell's going on at the moment. And I think it might just be that you've decided to do it excitingly at a time when the whole industry is changing, but also at a time where there are no certainties anymore. Nobody knows well. Well, you know, it used to be, we know this writer, we can put him out and he's going to do that. Now, yeah. obviously, as a new publisher, you're not going to have that until you discover someone like that. But um, it does mean that, uh, you know, finding your own way reaps its own benefits yeah I mean I think it's 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 been interesting uh, to see who we encounter and there are a lot of people out there who, who really don't like us probably because they're from what you just described of that traditional publishing sure. industry now I don't want to completely generalise I'm very sorry if anyone's listening and this applies to you but we're talking tweed jackets. We're talking. You went to Oxford. Hey, I've got a tweed talking, jacket. Hey, exactly. That's the point. Yeah, that's why I saying I didn't want to offend anybody. Okay. Um, but generally, you know, they, they've been in the publishing industry for a very long time, and yeah, they're they're as clued up as we are, really, because no one knows what's going on. Yeah. Um, but what's really nice is to see that kind of those old attitudes about publishing are actually breaking down with that. Lots of people are moving into publishing who wouldn't have done before, and that's how I got started. You know, I'd I'd been running club nights in Glasgow for two years, uh, doing much what Rebel Inc were doing 20 mm-hmm. years ago of doing writers with bands and DJs and that kind of thing in a, in a traditional club night and then when I left uni and you realised that an English degree isn't going to get you a job uh, very very quickly unless you, you come True up that. with something yeah sad to say but um, 
I figured that the best thing to do was, you know, let's let's give this a go. I think this works. Screw it. It's it's worth a shot. When you did it in traditional club nights, what was the kind of? I mean, I mean, say traditional club nights. I mm. presume you know it wasn't quite traditional. They were all set up for. Whereabouts did you do them? Well, we did, we did them originally. The, the original cargo night started in Blackfriars in in yeah, the basement okay. there, cool. and. Uh, well, you know, that was a great venue for us it because it's it, yeah. it great to have that kind of intimate way with the writers up close and personal, but also then, you know, you can transform it uh, in, in about 10 minutes into a proper club. Mm-hmm. Um, people crammed in and actually dancing and having a good time. Then we moved it up to the Flying Duck, which we liked for just, it's, it's such a different space yeah, up there. Good space, yeah. And I also really appreciate the fact that if anyone's going to serve toast at three in the morning, you know, that's the place to go, really. Um, so and it worked really well there so it, it was traditional in the sense of we had the writers up first so people could come along and the idea was that they would experience something they'd never seen before they would come to see a particular band or come out for, for just a night out yeah. and get tuned into something that they, they'd never thought that, that would be for them in a way um, so you know it, it, in the end uh, it, it was very successful I was sad to leave it behind but you know I, I was entering kind of a difficult point in uni and I felt mm. it needed to stop for a little while sure um, yeah, club nights in uh, university that doesn't really go. Yeah, uh, you know, you get to kind of fourth year undergrad, and that sort of four in the morning up at seven o'clock mm-hmm. routine doesn't really doesn't really cut it after a while. Exactly. Um, the lifestyle is not. But cut you can't out afford for... the drugs that you may. Yeah, <laughs> like, exactly. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, there's a notable uh, change then the, the the end of the cargo club nights and the dramatic rise in drug prices uh, <laughs> over Glasgow in that period of time. So. Um, but yeah, it, it was great fun, and you know, people. And, always... and that gave you an idea from doing those that you felt well, I, you know, I, I can either go to years here, either go into running clubs, or I can get into publishing and, and go in that side. Yeah. Or did you always with with the degree and with what your your uh, passion was, you always wanted to go into the the publishing side of it? Well, it's it's a weird kind of collision of lots of different things. Lots of my friends have, have remained in, in club nights, and they be, become quite quite big promoters mm-hmm. throughout Scotland doing that sort of thing and yes I probably could have gone down that route but I wasn't really interested in money or actually establishing club night I was interested in giving artists a platform yeah. which was the point of, of Cargo in the beginning and uh, and by doing that you start asking questions you see you book a great writer and you bring them on stage and they read it and everyone loves them and then you ask well who's your publisher and they don't have one. And mm. you start thinking, well, hold on, there appears to be an entire generation of Scottish writers here who mm. don't have any publication opportunities. Um, that seems like an obvious thing to go into then yeah. and try and provide that platform for people. Um, so, yeah, I, I think the other the other collision things was I, I actually, I, I used to run a, a skateboard shop back when I was 17. Yeah. Um, I got my first job when I was 12 working in a Tribal Junkie, which those yeah. of us who are of a, Yeah, yeah, those, those of us of a certain uh, fashionable age yeah. uh, remember. So, uh, and um, when that when that closed down, you know, I, I, I set up a skateboard shop. Hang on, you were 12 in Tribal Junkie? I was 12 when I started working in Tribal Junkie, yeah, yeah. Tennessee. Yeah, well, and listen, uh, you know, child labour laws, the company's finished now, they ain't going to chase us, <laughs> yeah. right? So, um, but yeah, I, you know, that I must I, have been one hell of a fake ID. Yeah. Well, listen, I think fine. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, what, what can I say? I'm, I look uh, distinctly older from my, from my age. Um, but yeah, I, I, you know, I set up the skateboard shop where, where another manager when I was seventeen, and that that was my kind of first taste of actually running somewhere. Yeah. And it was a lot of fun because it's it's what I loved, and also, you know, it's it's at that age making money is is obviously a huge draw. It's really exciting yeah, to be yeah. a young guy and, and actually making money. So I think I'd always felt I'd come back to some kind of business idea, but I didn't think it'd be publishing. I kind yeah, of I was going to say yeah. making money 
And yeah, you went into publishing. Making money in publishing. Sure, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, I mean, I'm sure I applied to be like, I don't know, an arms dealer or something that made, made money. Uh, but, you know, I did this ridiculous thing and, and stuck to this this ethical idea yeah, yeah, of yeah. artists must have their voice. And uh, so now I live in dire poverty, but I get pub- get published amazing books. So, yeah. you know, I wouldn't trade that. I wouldn't trade that for the world. I mean, that's where, you, that's where we got to now. Can Cargo's at the stage where they really are publishing a lot of uh, amazing um, writers and poets and. Uh, Say a little bit about what you've got coming up, if you can. Well, I mean, it's certainly, I was, I was sitting down looking at our catalogue this year, and it's um, it's really, really busy, so I'll not I'll not bore by listing off the 20 or so books that I think are, are, are coming out. Okay. Um, but, you know, the, the things that are coming up, I'm very excited about in May, we've got uh, Tales from the Mall um, by Ewan Morrison, yep. which is a, a multimedia and paperback book, um, so it's a, it's a various project, yeah. and and the the idea is that Ewan's taking the the mall or the shopping centre as it were, and there is a distinct difference you'd find out through the book. Um, it's it's taken over the world and it's become a symbol of a lot of the things that I think are wrong right now with the world, um, rampant capitalism and just funneling people to try and make money in various nefarious ways. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And it's 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 an incredible book. I mean, it's it's a lot of fiction. Uh, there's a lot of non-fiction. You and spent three years researching it. So I, I love that kind of mishmash of things together. It's a it's an incredibly exciting book, and I'm really pleased that we've put it in front of a lot of very famous authors for quotes. We put it in front of the heads of various book chains, and they all love it. They all think it's fantastic, and uh, we're working on some kind of TV tie-ins with that as well, which is really nice. Well, I'm glad you um, mentioned that one because I've actually read it, <laughs> so that's good, and I can agree with you. It's it's phenomenal, but I just I've only read the text. Yeah. And I've seen a few video clips, which he'd also, he's got a YouTube channel. This is Ewan Morrison, I don't give him his proper title. But um, I can't wait to see how this is sold. Not only, I mean, yes, you'll have a book in your hand mm. and you will read it, but it's the stuff that surrounds it that I'm fascinated by. Well, that's the most interesting. Yeah, I mean, that's the same. I, mean, I was completely drawn to it and, and pulled into it by the potential for the fun we could have around it, mm-hmm. you know, and, and doing apps and doing enhanced ebooks and having fun digitally. But also, you know, we're just basically planning complete and utter anarchy with the marketing of this. Um, we're, we're planning a whole bunch of, of tie-ins with various people, but also just going out there and, and doing some live stuff, doing some flash mob stuff, um, and, and just having fun with the concept. Yeah. Um, because there's so much that can be done with it. Well, going back to what, what we started off with, um, you know, you said, I'm, I'm into publishing, I still don't know what that means after two years. Yeah. And, you know, the... the establishment if you want to say that are, are, are at the moment they don't know what they're going to do next sales are falling the idea of just buying a book by chance of a new writer is becoming less and less there mm. has to be something more behind it well here you've got uh, taking a risk but you've got a, an author who celebrates that risk he wants to yeah. take the risk yeah, yeah. and you know because some people I mean, no, you've got three novels behind them. Yeah, he's a, short stories. It, I mean, this is someone who's fairly established, and I'm, a lot of people would go, oh, "No, no, this is good." You know, just give me my my money, and here's the book, and that's it. That, he's going to do that, and I think it's that marrying, which I think you've done with quite a few writers, between what you want to do, you say, having fun. You know, the word fun would bring a lot of people who want to make money in publishing in, out of cold sweat, you know? <laughs> you know, it's like, yeah. don't ever say that to me again. <laughs> but yeah. I, I think that's right. And, and Ewan's obviously a playful 
one of the most playful uh, writers, yeah. but in a very serious way. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it's unusual that you get a writer who comes along who, you know, Ewan's um, been nominated for BAFTAs for his TV work. Mm. Um, he's a great animator. Uh, he's he, he's just expanded in so many different ideas, and he's just a big ball of energy. Yeah, yeah. You know, you meet him, and he's just bouncing off the walls with ideas and and thoughts about what we can do, and that's that's the kind of guy you want to work with, definitely, because. They're, they're up for trying anything. And I, I actually think it says that Ewan's got another book coming out actually next year on Jonathan Cape, another novel. But it's interesting the way it's, it's changed days of uh, much of the major publishers are, they're afraid to take risks, but also I think in, we're in a position as being a smaller publisher that we can have a lot more fun with it. We can just actually do stuff that makes us happy rather than having to worry about the bottom line all the time. Um, and Ewan's a good example of that. I think we've got other projects as well next year, which kind of leads me on to of, of having the fun with it. Mm-hmm. Um, Second Lives, which is our, our collaboration with Carnegie Mellon University in Pittsburgh and Strathclyde University. And, you know, we, this originally started as, as we kind of thought it would be a very academic book. Yeah. And it's it's branched out in so many different directions. Um so now we're looking at really the concept of of what is a, what's a modern city? What does it mean to live in a city so, in the Western world? Right, right so you've got Pittsburgh and you've got Glasgow. Yeah. And you're basically um, getting writers and artists. It's not just writers, is it? I mean, yeah, I mean, I, I have to say, I'd, I'd, I'd love to reveal things about it, but I don't even know what the hell's happening with it. <laughs> like, well, it's, from what I understand, <laughs> yes, yeah. you will have, yeah. let's say, artists from Pittsburgh and, and academics yeah. uh, from both uh, cities yeah. um, commenting on what it means to be a, a, a modern Western city. That, that's it. And, and we've kind of branched out as well. You know, we've brought Will Self in uh, to, to the fore now with it, which is great. great. Um, and, you know, also a lot, a lot of well-respected and, and terrific Scottish writers, Louise Welsh, uh, Doug Johnson, um, Ewan Morrison again, Alan Wilson, who, who's been who's been great with us. So you know we've got a whole range of, of great Scottish writers through, and then you know we've got two National Book Award winners from the states in Terence Hayes and uh, Gerald Stern, who've never been published in the UK before. Um, we got Lee Gutkind, who was you know the the poet laureate of New Jersey, which I didn't even know was yeah, a title. I was that as Bruce Springsteen? <laughs> yeah, yeah, so that is the boss, of course, right? So. Um, but no, it's 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 been it's been a fantastic project to work on, and yeah, I, you know, I'm 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 joking when I say I don't know what the hell's going on. I'm partly joking. No, you're partly joking. Partly I can joking. tell by tell the look in your eyes. You know, th- people bring me stuff for it, and I just go, yeah, it sounds great. Let's let's do it. You know, more multimedia, more uh, more work by artists, visual artists, more work by people working digital with yeah. video and so on, and. It's, it's been able to have fun with it and accepting that that's what makes the most interesting book. And obviously the bigger cargo becomes, the more stuff that you take on. You can't oversee absolutely everything. You have to take it on board <laughs> that you say, this sounds interesting, let's go with it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I have to... Con- you find out it's all a fantasy. <laughs> <laughs> I have to contain my control freakery at some point, I think. Oh. Um, but... Uh, you know, I, the, the, there's other there's, there's huge projects in your right of I can't oversee everything. One the the biggest project I think we're doing this year is, is elsewhere, which oh, this is the one uh, with Edinburgh Book Festival, which you announced at the book festival last year. Yes, we did. Yeah, yeah, and and it had an amazing response because uh, our co-publishers with our our McSweeney's, um, who are owned by uh, Dave Eggers in the states. Um, McSweeney's for me are are just about the coolest publisher under the sun. For those who don't know Dave Eggers, <laughs> what was his 
I, I get all those get the name wrong what's his magnum a uh, heartbreaking work of staggering genius that's the one now you got yeah. to have you know confidence to, to do that as you know, <laughs> you're setting yourself up for a great fall unless yeah. that's an incredible bit yeah yeah and, and you know he's he's been incredible in that he's he's been a terrific novelist and writer in general in mm. many, various mm. forms for the last 10 years but he's also founded McSweeney's who put out McSweeney's Quarterly there's about 8 or 9 companies under McSweeney's and they're putting out a lot of really interesting fiction um, by, again, by established writers and by new writers, which, for working with them, that seems right up our street. I think design... They, they, they're, a, from what I know of them, they're very much a, a playful... Playful is a terrible word, but, you know, they want to have, they want to try new things, they want to try new styles, they want to to uh, look at new ways of getting uh, the book, the written world out there, I think. Yeah, I mean, uh, there was uh, last year, year before last, sorry, uh, book festival. Uh, was the first time I met Eli Horovitz, who's uh, he's the, the now the head of McSweeney's. Um, he started as the coffee boy and worked his way up, which is a beautiful, um, I don't know, coffee boy to riches story. Yeah, um, like Michael but, G. Fox. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, but uh, Eli has got incredible ideas for his, his magazines and that they, you know, McSweeney's Quarterly always has a, a design theme and design's really the part and parcel of what they're about. So they had an issue that was, there was a junk mail issue and uh, of course it got separated in the post when they were sending it out to people and therefore people got bits of the issue mm-hmm. week by week because it appeared to be junk mail. Yeah. Um, and they were, last I heard they were talking about an issue made of glass and things like that, just impossible things that you wouldn't imagine. Yeah. Um, for books it sounds like something from it does sound like something from the 60s you know when guys are sitting around <laughs> you're going hey man I've got a great idea let's, let's yeah. put this on glass man <laughs> there's a reason McSweeney's are based in San Francisco <laughs> yeah, you know? like, it's, it's that connection and don't why seems like Shaggy from Scooby Doo <laughs> <laughs> there you go um, yeah but I mean working, working with them is kind of like that you know it's, it's like going back to that sort of radical roots of what, you know, what publishing should be it should be just yeah, going you know yeah. to hell with everything else we're just going to publish what we want and do it the way we want it um, so working with them has been a lot of fun and you know that book getting the Ember Book Festival on board with it has been incredible so yeah. you know that's Roddy Doyle, Amy Bloom, Alistair Gray, another yeah, Explain the concept of Elsewhere because it's a massive Yeah, book. yeah, I mean, I, I kind of should. It's, it's four books uh, uh, that will be sold individually and as a, a box set. And, uh, you know, I, I, there's 50 writers in it, so I, I'd be here all night naming them. Um, but, yeah, the major names, Roddy Doyle, Amy Bloom, Alistair Gray, um, Louise Welsh. Uh, I mean, a whole, I, I could go on and on and on. It's a who's who of current fiction. Yeah. And uh, also one of those is a kids' book with uh, Michael Murpurgo and Julia Donaldson, which is our first. So one of the one of the four is going to be a children's book. That's right. Yeah, yeah, and and you know that's our first foray into kids stuff. Mm-hmm. And I love McSweeney's have started doing kids stuff as well. And that's mm-hmm. you know you realise the fun that you can have for that. Yeah, you can just do whatever the hell you want, and and you know kids absolutely love it. Um, so I think that it's going to be a huge project, um, and it's it's for release in August at the book festival. So it's. It, it, it's certainly the biggest thing we've done today and I think it's it's going to be a major major collection for sure. next year that people are going to want to own particularly because of the design and also just the writers and the quality of fiction that's in it and it's going to be it's four separate books but I'm presuming you will be able to get the whole lot together yeah yeah or, or you can get all, all four together in a box set which is uh, which is going to be 
beautiful, I promise. Um, we're looking at some of the designs today and it's it's going to look very, very special. The perfect present for birthdays, Christmas, etc. Well, I would recommend it for, I don't know, weddings or bar mitzvahs <laughs> yeah. or, you know, whatever, is up, whatever you need to, to give a relative for, for, for an occasion. Um, but yeah, it's, it's going to be great. Um, and, you know, some of the other books uh, we're putting out this year, putting out uh, uh, a book on the history of Scottish graffiti. We're putting out another uh, Dundee International Book Prize book. Um, See another. So this is the last year you did the. Yes, uh, last year was the first year we we, we took over from uh, from Berlin and running it, and it's it's the highest cash prize to any unpublished author in the UK. It's ten wow. ten thousand pounds to one lucky lucky winner, uh, and then uh, well, get right, folks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Seriously, I, I mean, I, I'd recommend going to the Dundee International Book Prize site, looking up the rules, and you know, trying to bank yourself ten grand and a deal. With us. Um, it's a very. I'm, I might enter myself. Pseudonyms needed. But yeah, so it, it's it's a really packed schedule, and you know, on on top of that, we're doing some reissues of the books that were really successful for us last year. Um, Wasting Love by Alan Wilson, Girl in the Bunker by Tracy Rosenberg. Yeah, um, no, that's been a huge success. I mean, relatively, but it's yeah. certainly been a big success for Cargo. Yeah, I mean, it was a, it was a number one in Scotland, and it, I think it was a real kind of first breakthrough book. Um, it was, it's completely unlike anything else we've ever done. It was a historical novel uh, set in Nazi Germany, and, you know, I, I was just really taken by the story and, mm. and taken by everything, everything about the characters. Um, and while it felt like a complete departure for us to do, it's worked out fantastically. You know, I really, I really can't fault it. Um, a great book, uh, and that's going to continue to do well. So yeah, so the, I mean, there's there's so much lined up for this year that mm-hmm. I'm kind of struggling to keep track of it all. Yeah. But um, and also, in you know, the next couple of weeks, uh, we're going to make a couple of more announcements about some signings we've got for, for the end of the year and for for next year as well. Some more very very high profile people that that we're very excited about. Excellent, excellent. So we're talking about books that did well last year, and since. He isn't here, and he, we, we did just meet him. Um, Alan Wilson's Wasted in Love has actually, you heard it here first, folk. I told you it was a good book. A lot of people think, oh, yeah, they get people on, and he says, oh, yeah, it's a good book. <laughs> it's gone on to be a fantastic, I mean, what a, what a reaction to a, a book of short stories for a start, mm. but a debut book of short stories. As well. well, absolutely. I mean, it's, it's been incredible. I mean, Alan couldn't be here because, I don't know, he's out housebreaking or something like that. Or, um, <laughs> yeah, this, but, this right now, doesn't pay any <laughs> yeah, Exactly. He, he needs to be, you know, what, guard your doors, folks. Um, but uh, it's been an amazing success. I mean, it's... It's one of those things of you start wondering, we've not had one bad review for this. It's been so widely reviewed in most of the major broadsheets and, and uh, you know, a lot of the, the literary magazines and everyone loves it. Yeah. Um, and on top of that, it, it sold fantastically. As the launch was, you know, there's 150 people there. It felt like a rock gig, you know, yeah. that launch. It it was, was, it was, I was at the launch and uh, it was... Uh, Phenomenal reaction yeah. to, to uh, even when the microphone broke, it came out, <laughs> you know. Yeah, the microphone breaking actually lent something to it. You know, it's like I don't know, it's like watching the Ramones for the first time. Yeah, exactly. that, it's like kind of breakthrough. But, but there was such, uh, it, okay, obviously you're going to have friends and family there, but that's not going to fill the bottom floor of Watson's. There was well, a yeah. real, you know, a lot of people who had heard that, that there was something uh, special mm. perhaps happening and. Uh, you certainly kind of justified that with the book itself. You know, you often you get, I'm thinking of Zig Zig Sputnik. Why am I thinking of him? <laughs> you, you'll get, a, you're somebody who comes along that's hugely hyped and not Alan was hugely hyped because you, you know, it's a small publishing company. You can't hugely <laughs> yeah, hype yeah, anyone. Yeah, yeah. But there's a lot of buzz around mm. and then you get the actual product and you go, oh, 
Oh God, this is really elective. I think people are really blown away by the yeah, I, I, I think it, work. it was quite amazing the, the way that it, it's it's just grown arms and legs really mm. and kept going. Uh, Alan's going to have a, a short story published in the Sunday Times uh, on 22nd January. Um, so that's, you know, that is again a sign of how good this guy's work is. And also it's interesting because, you know, at the beginning you were saying about literary establishment, you know, the men in tweed suits, <laughs> um, sitting down with this kind of thing. But... This is I mean, this is moving into areas where he's been reviewed mm. across the board. It's not just um, folk like myself or you know local Scottish fanzines or newspapers or you know magazines or online. You know people people are really sitting up and taking notice. Yeah, I mean it, it's it's also been the English press as well. Yeah. You know Daily Express and well, I having spoken to Alan Bissett so. about that, I know how difficult. Yeah, absolutely. I I mean, if you're Scottish, it is very, very difficult to get a review in a lot of these newspapers. And Alan has kind of gone beyond that. I think as well, there's a lot of reviewers out there who just who just don't review our stuff because they disagree with I don't know whatever. You Mm -hmm. know, I I probably said something drunken one night to offend them, and I I haven't realised it. But they've even uh, realised the quality of Alan's Mm -hmm. work, and they've started reviewing it. And I think that's really refreshing to see that actually people are willing to embrace a brand new Scotch writer. I think also what happens is when when people do get on board, folk become wary that if they are if they don't review it, then they're going to be seen to be missing out and somebody above them will say, well, why didn't you review this guy? Because <laughs> yeah. this guy is being lauded all over the place. Yeah, and, that, and that's it. I think it, it's that way of, it, it, it reaches a critical mass. You know, you get a certain number of views in big publications and then everyone wants a copy to review mm-hmm. it. And that's great. That's the way it should be. Um, and it's really nice to see that Alan, you know, he's he's working on a novel just now, and he, he he's he's doing great things with that. But also, he's been asked to do bigger and bigger things, mm-hmm. um, and quite rightly so. Um, the guy has has got this kind of I don't know. I don't want to say rock star thing because his head will be inflating as we speak. Um, but which he'll uh, never get through those windows. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. As he's trying to you know cat burgle, um, but uh, he's 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 got. A personality as well. People want to hear him read because he reads well. Well, you know? this is interesting. And I think we've spoken about this before, but not probably not publicly. <laughs> that increasingly it seems to me that if perhaps that's not what publishers are looking for, live events are increasingly important. Mm. The Edinburgh Book Festival has grown in my lifetime from going, you know, there'd be always have some good writers, but now it's a massive thing, a huge part of the Edinburgh Festival. And um, live events all over this city and all over Scotland and all you know everywhere. Mm. I mean, were you saying that there's more live events, there's more festivals now in Scotland than in Perhead? Than yeah, yeah. I mean, there's there's more festivals per head of population in Scotland than any other country in the world. Book festivals, Book festivals yeah. yeah. Uh, I mean, it's it's unbelievable. But then again, this has always been a really literary nation. Oh yes. Um, but I think yeah, we've. But really it's the live been, thing that's yeah, interesting yeah. because when you do have someone who has a personality and can project and all of those things, then, yes, it's a bonus, but then you don't want... It has to be the whole package, doesn't it? I think mm. sometimes I get... I keep going back to... Do you remember there was a poet in the... must have been the early 90s. I think his name was Murray Lachlan Young. And famously, I think EMI gave him a million-pound <laughs> recording deal <laughs> for, a, for an album of poetry. Right. And uh, it was awful. I mean, of yeah. course it was off. He was, he was dressed yeah. like... You know, it was like the a Rob Newman character, you know, kind of foppish, the fool, uh, you know, tossing the hair back. And I think he's actually going on to do all right but yeah. in other areas. But um, 
It wasn't. It was, it was. Here's this guy. We can sell him. He looks great. He sounds vaguely aristocratic, mm. but the actual portrait itself was was terrible. It was crap. Yeah. Um, and who, who really is going to buy an album of portraits? And I think still that would be an odd mm. thing to do. Um, you really need to have the whole thing. There's no point just having this kind of personality. Um, or you end up with something like an X Factor thing. Or something <laughs> yeah. Like that. I think. I think certainly the CD sort of thing is. I don't know. I mean, it works for some people. It really depends how charismatic you are, you know. I mean, there are a lot of guys I've heard on CD who are poets or writers who are like Stuart Holm, Tom Leonard, uh, these kind of folk. Oh, yeah, absolutely. But at the same time, um, it's, it's a difficult thing to do. That being said, the life... But you wouldn't thing, give them a million pound recording contract. I wouldn't give you know, anyone a million pound recording contract. That's the thing. It's always going to be, I think, listening... Well, it's interesting you were talking about the increasing popularities of all podcasts mm. not just this one um, and perhaps you know there, there will be the idea of listening to um, speech if not exactly CDs but you know downloads or whatever that might become a, a bigger thing so maybe you say well here's um, a writer you download a, um a story instead of a song at 79p or whatever yeah. from iTunes yeah. and, and people can build up their own yeah, playlists absolutely. if you like yeah. I mean that's that's kind of in the written form that's kind of what we did with the Year of Open Doors yeah. with, with Chemical Underground um, in that we were doing yeah you can have a story for 79p on iTunes and it, it worked really really well um, but the the idea of audiobook stuff I think it's, it's kind of starting to grow mm. um, there's been a lot of focus publishing wise on digital there's been a lot of focus on how do we sort out the ebook situation what about apps these kind of things yeah. people forget that actually audio is probably still one of the biggest draws if yeah. you're if, you know if you're in the car or if you're out for a walk or something like that listening to a story is actually a really good way of of, of getting a story i just wrote a um, post on radio and i realized i hadn't written about radio in all the hmm. two years doing scots we hate but it was because i'd listened to oh is it the story of donald q or anyway it was some, a, a play which was written specifically for brian cox and Billy Connolly and you know what a fantastic hour just to listen to these guys kind of riff off each other yeah, and, yeah, yeah. and and I think you're right I think if you there, there is a market for that audio um, way of taking on whether it's plays whether it's poetry whether it's mm. um, writing of any kind um, but that going back to uh, performance then that takes us quite neatly to margins <laughs> and now what can you say about we spoke uh, was it on the then podcast when I was do, talking myself I was seeing the highlights of next year and one of my mm -hmm. highlights was margins because uh, of the success of last year so just yeah, talk yeah. a little bit about last year's margins well last year's margins right okay you know or margins in general yeah I mean I, I talk For about last year's know. margins um, you know it's, it's that thing of you saying what can I say and I'm thinking about here because people keep asking me why did why did you start doing margins book and music festival and I'm always very cautious about saying but I feel I should kind of just Say the real story. Yeah, well, um, you're amongst friends. Yeah, exactly. No, I, one, you know, no one listens no to one's, this. <laughs> yeah, and and you know if they're all listening, they're friends of mine anyway. So, yeah. um, um, anyone anyone who's listened to Scots Way podcast knows, you know, they're cool. So they're, they're <laughs> going to be fine. Thank you, very much. Um, but um, I only say that because I listen to it. Yeah, so, um, <laughs> but, um, margins came about last year because um, we'd. we'd um, kind of tentatively agreed some uh, a live event with with. I write, who are the major book festival in Glasgow. Yeah. And we were really excited about this and it got cancelled in the end. And, and the way I found out about it being cancelled was, was through a friend, actually. I never got told directly. And I felt 
quite bitter about the experience in general. Um, and, and I've kind of made my peace with that and I understand how things go in events management and these sort of things happen. But it inspired me that I felt, you know, this is a really negative thing that's happened. We've lost the chance to, to really showcase a great book we had out then and, and do great things. So I, I want to try and do something positive from it. So we were in kind of mid-December and I thought, okay, well, let's try and do a book festival by February. Now, anyone who's ever planned or promoted any gig will know that that is just about physically impossible. Um, so we threw together, well, I say threw it together, but we, we kind of worked non-stop to, to build a three-day uh, festival, um, four-day, I should say, mm-hmm. at Stereo. Um, so the major artists included, you know, Weathered Hand, Liz Lockhead, Tom Leonard, Ewan Morrison, uh, Sophie Cook, Doug Johnson, Rog Glass. I could go on. I mean, we had lots and lots of writers. Yeah. And then we had some new voices and new writers within that yep. as well. And and we tried to have as well uh, talking of live lit, some of the established live lit nights do their own thing. Yeah. So Golden Hour from Edinburgh, um, Words Per Minute, uh, Monosyllabic, mm-hmm. Seeds of Thought. Um, and we, we decided, you know, I kind of decided, well, look, this isn't going to make us millionaires overnight, and I think people should see this. Let's make every ticket a pound. And lo and behold, it, and it that's, was, that's ticket. I mean, there was like three writers, or there was two bands. Yeah, was the, like, that was it. it. You, yeah, you you weren't just paying, you know, a quid to get ten minutes of a writer. You're paying a quid for a night, basically. Yeah. And that that was quite a big thing about what we wanted to do to try and get people into show. Actually, not only is there something amazing going on the underground here, but there's some things that could be incorporated more into book festivals. Um, I love the fact that Edinburgh Book Festival incorporated music and late night events yeah. through Unbound into the into their programming, um, and that's that's kind of what we wanted to do. So it, it it was a great success, but it got us thinking after it was done. You know, let's go, let's go even bigger yep. for for twenty twelve, and that's that's led us to here. Uh, yes, wherever it was, we started planning this. I don't know, like. Yes, it is 2012. Is it 2012? Okay. Uh, I'm just checking what, what year we're on. to the Mayan uh, calendar, <laughs> the year the world ends. So. Yeah, yeah. Mine only goes up to, I don't know, the 21st of December or whatever. But, uh, <laughs> Your personal Mayan. Uh, <laughs> yeah, my personal Mayan Doomsday. calendar. Yeah. Um, I shouldn't buy those pound shop uh, so diaries. So what are the dates? We can get them sorted. Well, let's, let's get the dates down. It's 24th to the 26th of February. Um, we've decided to move it to this year and we've, we've developed a partnership with the Arches in Argyle Street. Um, the Arches, for me seem the perfect venue. They're a multi-arts venue. They've been cutting edge for, uh, I, I don't even know how long, before I was able to go into a bar and have a drink anyway, by any stretch of the imagination. Yeah. Um, so it's been it's been lovely working with them, actually, and coming up with this kind of stuff. So we decided to program it over three days uh, to, to put the music at night and have the writing during the day and really as, stack up as many things as we could, bringing in big hitting name writers, new people as well, but also trying to keep that place for new magazines or new voices in general, people who are... So have some spaces where they're going to have new writers, new magazines, as you mm. say, because I think Sam and Octavius are going to have after People like that, so there, there will be... It's not just a case of, well... The first one was a success. Let's just get all the big names, and you still really want to have. Yeah, I mean, the, the, there's the part of us that could have easily turned around and gone, "Well, thanks very much for helping us build a foundation, ye unknown writers and so on." But actually, we're going to go off and, you know, make a fortune now. That's not the point of this at all. The point of this is actually to say, let's let's put together a, a great book festival yeah. where you're going to not only see things you want to see, but discover something new, and. 
and that's been the thinking behind all the programming that's gone into it. And it, it, it has been a lot of work, but I think the final lineup is is terrific. Um, so what can you say? Well, what I can say is I, I'm perfectly happy to talk about the full uh, the full lineup. Oh, now. excellent. Um, so on the Friday, uh, you know, talking of magazines that we we felt we we should bring in because they've been giving uh, new writers a, a great platform to work from. Uh, we've brought in Gutter Magazine, who'll be running one of their famous uh, Night in the Gutter mm-hmm. episodes. Uh, they'll be running that with some actors performing some particularly interesting pieces. Oh, so um, stay tuned on that. Again, that's one of those things that uh, I'm not sure what's going to happen, but it's going to be a lot of fun. Oh, okay. I know that. Um, we've also brought in Octavius Magazine, um, Sam Best student-focused uh, yep, magazine. who we had on, I think, Podcast yep. 7, talking about it, yeah. A lovely chat that yep. was as well, yeah. So, I mean, it, that's, that's going to be fun. And then... To contrast that, on the same Friday night, we have Christopher Brookmeyer and Louise Welsh together. Um, because we felt that Chris has kind of moved into more of a serious crime fiction. And it's interesting to explore that between the two of them, of of are they crime writers, are they thriller writers? But also just to hear them read, you know, they're fantastic. Uh, yeah, do and Louise, I think, is, absolutely asks those questions. Yeah. That it's uh, it's not simply crime, it's not simply, who cares whether it is or not, yeah, they're exactly. just fantastic books. Yeah. And she writes absolutely beautifully. Yeah, it's that thing of, you know, I'm not interested in genre, I'm interested in it's a great yeah, book, that's exactly. what I care about. And then at night, our, our music session is uh, Roddy Wimble uh, from Idlewild with Soren McLean. Uh, Withered Hand uh, returning again for a second year and Excellent. Alistair Roberts who's the real up and coming folk guitarist so I mean that we put all that together thinking that's that's a great lineup. you know you, there are very few places you could go and get that quality of, of acts no, together no it's not going to be a pound sadly it's not going to be a pound understandably <laughs> <laughs> hey no you know. I mean you know I'm a, I'm a great believer in that you know the artist is the most important person so they need to get paid yes um, so sadly no we can't make it a pound um, but we've we've tried to price the events as low as we can possibly go so for instance for Roddy Alistair and, and Dan from Withered Hand that's just ten pounds yeah for you know for a two yeah. hour gig I, I really think that's something special it is um and we've, we've tried that the whole way through, you know, the Octavius uh, session is just £3. So, you know, for £3 you can take a punt and come along yeah. and discover perhaps some, some new writers you've never heard of before. Um, which takes us into the Saturday, at which point I'll probably be dead on my feet and be unable to, to do anything. But um, that's a real, real busy lineup. So... We've got some fun stuff there, like Graham Hunter, who's a, a Sky Sports correspondent. Yes, and writes, uh, he writes one of the papers, is it the Scotland? Scotland the Scottish Herald? Yes, it's, this, it's the Herald, yeah, yeah, I think. Herald, yeah, 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 yeah. And he's written this great book on Barcelona. He's uh, He's been really in the Barcelona uh, football team camp for the last 10 years. Yeah, that's right. So he's seen the making of this football team, which is a once-in-a-generation quality team. Mm-hmm. Um and he's going to be talking with Rog Glass, who also has a, a football-related book out in Bring Me the Head of Ryan Giggs. Yes, which we hope to have Rog on at some point. Indeed. So about. it'll be Man United versus Barcelona, is our, is our general <laughs> thinking. Again. So, uh, um, so we got, you know, that because we figured that people want to hear interesting things about uh, sport. Definitely. You know, I certainly do. Um, and on top of that, we got uh, we got some people, if you're into historical fiction, there's Tracy S. Rosenberg and Sarah Sheridan together, so two best-selling historical uh, novelists. Um, if you're into your poetry, then you've got the ultimate lineup for me, which yeah. is Don Parson, Tom Leonard, and uh, Billy Letford. Um, now I know Parson, obviously, and I know Tom <laughs> Leonard, but yeah. tell me a little bit more about Billy Letford because I've heard only good things, although I don't actually read it. Billy Letford, I, I, I mean, is to me like the, the, he's he's the best kept secret 
in, in Scottish writing full stop he performs all his poems from memory and you have just never seen a guy perform with this level of energy okay, he's well. just he's just absolutely fire. he has a new he's his first ever collection coming out in Carcanet in November yeah. and you know I, I the, when we were putting that bill together we kind of felt let's have three generations of great poets mm-hmm. Tom obviously has, has been such a senior figure in Scottish poetry for so long and achieved incredible things Don has you know and yeah, exactly for me, for me, just a genius. I mean, yeah, Don, Don is absolutely off the charts. I think in, in terms of ability and also what he's done for poetry as mm. well behind the scenes. And Billy is is new to the scene, but I think in ten years' time we're going to be talking about him in the, the same kind of breath. So that that for me is that's a big lineup. And in the same pairing, three great performers. Well, I haven't oh. seen Billy Lefford, but certainly the first two. Three yeah, great performers. Uh, you know, to I see Tom. Like, do you know what, folks? Go <laughs> to see Tom Lennon perform. <laughs> that, honestly, that's a really living legend performing. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it would just be amazing. No, well, I mean, we're lucky to have Tom performing because he's he performs very, very rarely. Yeah, but he's such a, a charismatic and exciting performer, and as well to hear Scott's dialect done in a in a tone that, quite frankly, makes you jump out your seat. Yeah. Um, you don't know if he's going to jump off the stage and hit you, or if he's going he's to. He's as likely to kiss you as to punch, punch you. Punch you exactly. Aye, aye, and uh, you know, I, I just, I think that's going to be a great lineup. Um, so, I, is in that same vein, uh, we felt it'd be interesting to pair some uh, some writers together of looking at where Scottish fiction was and is is going, and also where it's now. So we've paired Alan Wilson and William McIlvany oh, together. Yeah. Fantastic. Um, and obviously McIlvany needs very little introduction yeah. having invented Tartan Noir and also yeah. just contributed huge huge amounts to um, to Scottish fiction again a writer that it would be unfair to say as a genre very unfair actually I think about it to say as a genre writer you know he, he laid law a fantastic mm. character but I mean if you've never read any McIlvany you, you know because he kind of went out of fashion you know you had yeah. these very um, I don't to say modernist but certainly you know Arthur Gray and Kelman and Leonard and, and all these people are mm. tremendous writers who I absolutely love but McIlvany kind of out of fashion but and very accessible and hugely talented writer I think there was the thing of he, he sort of um, you talk about that Kelman Leonard Arthur Gray mm. you know kind of generation William McIlvany didn't really fit with that mm-hmm. so I think from an, a journalist point of view or an academic yeah, point of view yeah, because he didn't fit Lazy critics. Yeah, yeah. I don't want to say, it, but you know, that's that's kind of what I'm alluding to. But, um, but you know, he he's he, the the thing is, his books have always been massively popular. Yeah, he writes beautifully. Um, and what I like is exactly what you're saying. Of every book is different. Yeah. Laidlaw was just he wrote a crime book and went, okay, well, I'm done with the Tartan yeah. Noir thing now. Onto something different. And his short stories are phenomenal. Oh, yeah, yeah. amazing. In fact. My my uh, dad we didn't have a lot of Scottish writing in the house, but he all, but there was a lot of McIlvany stuff. Yeah, I mean as well, you know he's he's incredibly charming as a performer. He's oh. he's, he's just that way you 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 see him and you know you you want to give him a hug. He's just uh, he's just that nice. And uh, pairing him with Alan Wilson, and obviously Alan's star continues to to go on yeah. and up and up and up. But uh, yeah, that I think, would be a great uh, double build. It's an interesting comparison. I don't think the stuff's entirely similar, but I yeah. think they come from similar ideas. Yeah. And I think it's going to be interesting to see them chat. Actually, I'm going back to the short stories. I think there's more of a there is more of a kind of a relationship than you might first think because 
Oh, is it stained glass? A fantastic collection of short stories that have a similar yeah. uh, feel to. I mean, I don't even know if Alan's ever read any Michael Manning, but um, there is a similar feel. So I can see that working really well. No, that, that is a really cool book, actually. Yeah. And, and also, when we were uh, the other night discussing who actually has the best moustaches around as we were talking about <laughs> Sam Elliott and, and Kurt Russell and Tombstone but surely Mr. Yeah. McIlvany Mr. McIlvany I can tell you ha, ha, you know meeting the man up close and personally you realise that is personality a, oh zone. that's some tash yeah I mean, we, we could have given the billing to the tash yeah. if, we, if we'd had the chance absolutely um, I, I, you know I worked uh, for Movember to grow a tash yes, I, I looked at his and just thought I'm never going to achieve that. It's just that is just a work Start of art. Start in April. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Just to get up to that. <laughs> um, but uh, you know that. Uh, also, you know, it, it's it's not just we're not just looking at the lit fiction stuff. And I I, don't, I hate using the term lit fiction because I feel it can be kind of snobby for either side. It's difficult. It's difficult. Yeah. I mean, I find that the same the same problem is that you have to kind of let people know what area folk are working in. Yeah, and and yeah, when yeah. we were talking to Lise Welsh, it's the same thing. She's quite happy for folk to say. You know, well, you can call me crime, you can call me noir, you can buy my books and read them. <laughs> yeah, exactly. and, and that's kind of, but that's why folk who are talking about it try and point you in these directions. Yeah. But you're right, that would be a lit fiction. Well, what kind of fiction isn't lit? Well, sense? exactly. Yeah, I mean, all fiction by standard is kind mm. of literary. Yeah. So, and I also think it's it's just a, it's a little pigeonhole for salespeople, really, yeah. other than anything else. But, you know, in saying that, you know, on that margin started line up, if you, if you are in your thrillers or your noir kind of stuff, uh, Doug Johnson and Helen Fitzgerald together, oh, yeah. um, which I think is going to be a really nice lineup. Actually, both of them read well, they perform well. Uh, Doug will swear more times than you've ever heard one man swear. Is Doug going to read from his forthcoming book or smoke camp? He's going to read from his forthcoming book, which yeah. probably contains even more violence and swearing wow. than Smokehead did. I don't want to promise anything in case anyone's disappointed. And what time either. in the afternoon is this, sir? Uh, well, let's put it this way. There's going to be an age limit on that. <laughs> it's uh, good to say, <laughs> yeah. It's the afternoon. We can bring yeah. the kids. If, if you can buy a beer, you can come to that yeah. event. Uh, otherwise, uh, you know, there'll be, be a crash. You might uh, want to. Yeah. So, um, so the, you know, that kind of thing. And, you know, it's, it, it's, it's an exciting lineup, I think. Um, and then at night, we, we felt for a Saturday night, we, we needed to have... A nice big music event. Mm-hmm. So we decided to go all out, and uh, Malcolm Middleton will be presenting his new Human Don't Be Angry album, Fantastic. Uh, which I had to listen to last night, a little sneak preview. And let me tell you, it's one of the best albums of this year already, hands down. Well, this is going to be interesting because we were talking to Chris about, uh, I mean, who's a huge Arab Strap fan, and mm-hmm. who also we're talking about the, the separate uh, albums. I mean, I think Malcolm Middleton still hasn't hit his really great solo album yet so this yeah. will be interesting to see whether this is perhaps I really like a brighter beat um, but I've, I I think this one is an absolute breakthrough and speaking of Arabstrap the support for Malcolm will be Aidan Moffat and Bill Wells so you know talking of I always think we planned this <laughs> <laughs> yeah lined up beautifully so uh, but I mean talking of great albums this year uh, the, everything's getting older last year the Bill Wells and Aidan Moffat album was my album of the year oh yeah it was it was stunning and I know you certainly, yeah, it was an album for you, for, you, for most of the, the music bloggers in Scotland. Yeah, certainly the bands that were uh, oh, Pinko yeah, yeah. puts together, that was their album of the year as yeah, well. Yeah, it was, it was just fantastic. And uh, I know that's that's going to be a really, really special event, yeah. I think. You know, having Aidan and Malcolm 
together on a stage again is is quite special and you do realize that everyone's going to be oh, what will they do for the encore do, oh, do, do you know i have been asked already like four <laughs> times is there going to be an arab strap reunion and i cannot say i absolutely cannot say i you're knows? not just being coined you genuinely i, ge- I genuinely don't know i genuinely don't know i think because it could be again it's like tom leonard it could be a kiss it could be a punch, it could be a punch. yeah yeah and you know with arab strap it will be both at the same time exactly um but I, I, I don't know, and it would be a lovely thing, but I think uh, Aiden and Bill together is a, is a great oh, match. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's a great match. And seeing Malcolm out with a band again is is great fun. So it's going to be real energy. Um, so, yeah, so we're, we're letting you have a wee lie-in for the Sunday and uh, the one crowning glory uh, to yeah, finish yeah. off uh, Margins of Sunday is, is Alistair Grace Fleck in the main auditorium, which was designed and painted by Alistair uh, at Oren Moore. And if anyone hasn't seen this auditorium or had the pleasure of being in it... Oh, yeah, it's worth going there alone. Yeah, it's worth going there just to see, you know, hundreds of feet of, of Alistair Great art surrounding you. At the same time, we're going to be producing one of Alistair's great plays um, with with a really top cast, with a whole mix of actors and writers from, from around Scotland. Now, we went to see him when he did it in uh, Edinburgh. Yeah. And again, it was the same thing. Fantastic cast and everything. Yeah. But it was in an Edinburgh Festival tent. Yeah. It was, you know, there wasn't really much atmosphere rather than a whole load of folk just going, oh, that's Ian Rankin, oh, that's Alan Bissett. And, you know, that fair enough. This is the perfect venue for it. I mean, I really cannot wait to see that. I think I think it's going to be special when you, you know what I was like because I was sitting next to you through, uh, through Fleck at Edinburgh Book Festival. I was bouncing on my heels talking about how this is the World Cup of writers yeah. all, all the big stars on the big stage uh, and it, it was great I mean it was a fantastic performance but yeah I, I thought the Edinburgh Book Festival did a great job with it but we wanted to do it with Alistair in a room that is effectively a, a monument to Alistair yeah. Gray's work it's one it's, of the most beautiful venues in the country I mean it really yeah. is and actually having been to a couple of things there um I mean, it's it's an old church. The acoustics are fantastic. Mm. The sound will be amazing. The sound will be fantastic, and and the lineup is is great. Um, I mean, some of the the cast members from uh, f- from the Edinburgh performance are returning: uh, Alan Bissett, Chu Saite, uh, Zoe Strachan, mm-hmm. Louise Welsh. Um, but also, we're bringing in a whole bunch of actors who I'll, I'll, I'll hold off on saying just now. But let me tell you, it's going to be a, a little surprise when when you see them. Well, you um, know, when this mic goes off, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I was yeah. going to say pumping them thoroughly, but that sounds awful. But we will be finding. I'd rather you didn't, Ali. But uh, if it's that's, the way then, uh, that's uh, that's uh, the way. One, that's again, that's the way we get an explicit badge, and it's also the way that we treat all our guests after the lights go out. But anyway, I, I can't wait to hear who it's, you do that. It's going to be amazing um and you know we're gonna we're certainly plan to film it but if you want to be I, I cannot stress enough if you want to sit during probably one of the most unique history making performances of uh of of any kind of artist working in scotland for the last 40 or 50 years mm-hmm. this is the one to be at i think i think Alistair is really excited about this. Now, um, he's not actually going to be in it, or is he, or you don't uh, know? He uh, he may reprise his, his role as uh, Nick or wow. Satan. Uh, well, um, that, that definitely. Yeah. Either way. Yeah, either absolutely. way, it's going to be fun. Either way, I think it's going to be great. And, um, you know, it is a real a real one-off. It's never going to be repeated again, uh, Fleck. It's It's been... Oh, that's, Ed- that sounds a little bit like, you know... 
it was Steely Dan will never tour again <laughs> and yet five albums <laughs> after that yeah yeah no but I um, think there's every chance that's the case no absolutely I, I, I don't know um, I th- it's been in Edinburgh and Toronto and it, obviously now it's going to be here with us um, I think this will probably be the last performance I mm. think that's what we're looking towards and what better place to do it in just a stunning building absolutely yeah. stunning building um, so overall the Marchers lineup we've we've worked really hard at it I'm really proud of it um, a lot of hard work by a lot of the the volunteers who, who work with Cargo myself included have put in um, over the last few months putting this together and it, it's going to be brilliant it's going to be a great weekend well I mean it does sound like a hell of a loving but I mean <laughs> it's uh, you know I can't see much wrong with that at all and when so when are you going to have the, the the official kind of launch of this? I know this is the kind of an official launch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So well, I mean, tickets are on sale from the twelfth of January, um, and oh, cool. um, so so very 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 quickly on. So you've got plenty of time to get your tickets in. But um, you know, the, we are expecting some things are, are going to move quite quickly. Yeah, um, definitely. But also, there's, there's going to be a really fun thing of you know, even if you're not coming to an event, um, we're going to have a festival area built into the arches. So Waterstones are going to be running a bookstore. Uh, Insularis Records are going to be running a record store. Fantastic. Uh, there'll be a bar. We'll be showing some movies on a big screen. Um, I recommend you just like come down and hang, hang out. out. Yeah, yeah, just yeah. Uh, you know. I, I'm going to be honest with you. I'm going to be a bar fly for the weekend. I am going to sit and prop up that bar and just enjoy talking to a lot of interesting people uh, and having yeah. a nice time. So I think if even if you're not interested in coming along to the event, it's a really cool place to just come and hang out and meet yeah. interesting people and, and, and you know, have So now time. you know that that Arab Strap Encore was going to feature Matt Buckland and lead vocals. <laughs> there's a big chance. chance. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So I've been known to elbow Aiden aside to try and sing the tunes in my time. But uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, it, it, it's going to be a really nice atmosphere and uh, you know it's yeah like I said a lot of work's going into it and yeah. I'm just really pleased that it's going to get going now fantastic um, I was going to well, written down the future of publishing but my god we could be here for the rest of the night and you've, and you've spoken <laughs> about what you're going to be doing yeah, uh, yeah. what Cargo's going to be doing yeah. over the next year but uh, is there anything that you see I mean we've spoken about what um, you and Morrison's going to be doing with uh, um the, oh god what's Tilson the Mall yeah is that the way you see things going or or, or, or how, how do you see not just cargo developing but the whole of, of, of kind of the publishing industry the, there was a really really interesting conference recently at Faber in London um, and it was all the kind of if, if you're a publishing geek like me you'll know the Independent Alliance which is kind of Faber Canongate and a, a whole bunch of other uh, 10 different other publishers that joined together to work together um, and they were doing a conference and Jamie Bing, who's the head of Canongate, and yeah. it's definitely a big inspiration for me, um, he was talking with the head of Faber about the fact that publishing companies can no longer be just publishing companies. Mm-hmm. Books is the kind of kickoff from where they, they go. And that's kind of, it's interesting to hear that said publicly because that's what I've sort of begun to, to move yeah, towards yeah. for quite a while. Um, that's why we've got involved in TV that's why we've got involved in app making and and digital it's also why we've got involved in events because we love doing events Um, people really enjoy our events but also um, they're a great way of bringing books to a new audience and bringing it out to different people so I think the future of publishing is you're going to start seeing a lot more sharing across across the different disciplines Um, and a publishing company can no longer be just printing books and trying to sell books. It's not going to work. Um, 
it's it's difficult to say in general other than that i mean digital i think is going to take a big big leap ebooks uh and apps this year mm-hmm. um we're going to see a big rise in that um i think as well it's it's going to be interesting to see what amazon does does amazon become a publisher if they do um that becomes very very difficult for a lot of people sure um it's a, i'm also really really concerned generally about independent bookshops i love independent bookshops yeah. and they're going to face a really tough year. Uh, it's, it ain't easy out there. And um, I'm pleased to see that Watsons have become so much more open to buying new things. And I do always believe people should buy from a bookstore. That's the easy and thing. And they seem to be promoting... There seems to be a real change in that. I don't know whether this is UK-wide, but certainly in Scotland, they're promoting you know local writers, uh, Scottish writers, in, you know, obviously in Scotland. Mm. But I don't know. If, is that UK? Is that UK? Yeah, you know, I mean, that seems to be a thing. Is that the individual stores have been given a lot more leeway to do what they want, yeah. and that's that's really good because it makes it easier for people like us to, to actually get the books in the stores. But it also makes it easier for folk who are wanting to buy books that reflect something about. I keep going back to this, but you know, in and around their life, mm. and they go, "Well, I don't know what to look for." And therefore, you know, oh, well, here's a section here, and I think that happens a lot. Well, that's it. I mean, I'm also, you know, anyone who holds any length of conversation with me will realise that I'm a little bit of an ardent nationalist when it comes down to it. And I'm kind of against the idea of a corporate office in London dictating what another nation should be buying in terms of books or mm-hmm. CDs and that kind of thing. I need to think you could take that further another shop. I mean, really? Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. It's like when yeah. you used yeah. to um, have record shops and they're... You know, your independent record shops, the guy who ran it would yeah. say, well, this is what I think my clientele are going to like. Well, I think Mono's well, a great example. Mono, Mono is a great example of that kind of record store. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, this pl- pl- Avalanche, I think, has, you know, been, a, been another great example. But it, it's that kind of idea of put the power back in the hands of the booksellers. Mm-hmm. They do actually know their customers. They know yeah. books as well. Booksellers deserve to be trusted because yeah. they're experts. Um, and if you do trust them, they will sell books. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I mean, I think from otherwise in the publishing industry, it's it's going to be a tough, tough year. Um, a lot of the big houses are becoming a lot more conservative, and they're only banking on stuff that's you know celebrity biography or yeah. well-established uh, million-selling writers, and that's fair enough. But it does leave a problem of there's a lot of mid-list writers out there who sell really good numbers of books, who produce great works of art, who mm-hmm. don't have a platform. And again, I don't know. Talk about going full circle again. This is kind of where I feel we come in. Um, I do always want to have a platform for artists. I want to have a platform for writers. Mm-hmm. And I feel that there's now a, a, a lot of writers who need that chance. They need a chance to say whatever they want to say and be able to make some kind of a living from it. And hopefully that's where we can come in. Um, but other, I mean, otherwise for us, our, our goal is we're, we're expanding to other countries. We're expanding much more readily across the UK. We're selling foreign rights now and stuff. And then... There's things like Martins. Um, mm-hmm. There will be another summer cargo tour as well, um, following the back of the last two years, um, where I think I pretty much completely lost my mind over the last last couple. So what was the summer cargo tour? The, summer, the summer cargo tour was a cargo special delivery last year, and I think we did we did like twenty dates in the yeah. end, something like that, around Scotland. And and this year we're so heading it's down. Tuesday, in, it must be four for. Right? Yeah, it's, it's that kind of thing. You know, you, you're in our broth on a Wednesday night or something, wondering what's going on. Um, but they're great fun. They're just a lot of work. But and this year we're we're gonna do add some English. And what did you do with them? I mean, you were going around doing events. Yeah, I mean, nights? we were doing again the same thing we always do of, of this live light. We were mixing music and and good performance and also just a bit of banter mm-hmm. and you know try to have some have, have some fun with the audience. Um, and 
it was it was it's great because you go to some smaller events and you know there's there's twenty five folk there. That's fine. That's great because those twenty five people love it. Um, and then you go do something like the Edinburgh Book Festival and there's 300 people there and mm-hmm. that's just as much fun actually mm-hmm. um, just getting to do those big crowds and introduce new people to them so yeah so we'll be looking to do that again um, there's a whole host of cargo things in the works um, which I'm probably uh, not quite at liberty to say well, just yet but listen, um, I always leave them wanting more I think what's a bit fascinating you know, we were talking about different events and talking about live shows and stuff. And of course, at the end of the day, you're really wanting someone to sit down with a book in their hand or or on, you know, on a Kindle or whatever, but anyway, a book on their own and read it. I think sometimes people forget that that's a fantastic thing to do. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I tell you, the, the, the book we're working on with Ewan, uh, Ewan Morrison, Ewan's done a lot of research into kind of generations. So baby boomers, Generation X, Generation Y, that sort of thing. Now, his, his ruling as the marketing people in the world see it is that Generation Y don't read books. Now, I feel a bit weird about that because I'm Generation Y. I'm 24, and therefore I come under the banner of Generation Y. I read a lot of books, not as many as I'd like, but I do. And I think out there, like you're saying, the most beautiful thing is to just sit down and read a book and enjoy yeah, it. Absolutely. Um, and if you go to an event and you meet an author and you see the author perform it, it brings it in a new light. But there is nothing to compare, regardless of the form, sitting down with an e-reader, a Kindle or mm-hmm. a physical book and actually just reading the thing. And, and it's it's perhaps making people realise, you know, that this is not, still the case. Start, like you're talking about getting into children's books and, mm-hmm. and that's how I started reading when I was a kid. Yeah. yeah. And, and it's that time, uh, you know, where... where nothing else is coming in yeah, and that's yeah. that's the increasingly difficult thing is to do that is to sit and have nothing else yeah. uh, you know affecting you as, as you sit with a book and it's your own kind of intellectual uh, discussion with whatever you're, you're, you know is on the page yeah absolutely I do get where people are coming from about reading being a challenge because I sit down and read now and I, I now start to find reading a challenge and that's partly because of well internet usage for instance it just seems to decrease your concentration span non-stop mm-hmm. um, so reading a book can be a challenge but like you say, it can take you to way to another world for an hour, two. And hours. I still think it's a great book. You'll 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 be sucked in. Uh, absolutely, and that's always been the kind of way of we've looked to publish stuff that draws you in. If I'm sitting down to read a potential manuscript and it sucks me in and it makes me disappear from all the stresses that are financially and running cargo for a while, then you know that's and it's the book a, for us. It's incredible how quickly that can happen you know yeah there are not, there's not many books that i've read over the years that i've really had to struggle i can think of two off the top of my head you really have to struggle to think well it's going to be worthwhile because this is a great book mm. one's clockwork orange mm. and one was a a what's called dr sax what was his name who did on the jack kerouac book and you thought no. well i'm gonna to have to get through this to, <laughs> and they were both worth it but usually you know i think mm. a book hits you you know within the first you, john sutherland that said something like first eight pages or something like that you should kind of be hooked in. generally that's a rule you know yeah. I, th- I think it's it's difficult as well because you know in publishing you deal with big concepts you're dealing with that sort of almost Hollywood producers thing of people pitch you an idea you don't almost don't read the book mm-hmm. you, you, you're pitched yeah. a concept um, and the real judge of a good book is that is within the first eight ten pages have I been completely drawn into somewhere that I wasn't before and if so, well, this is the book for me. Yeah. And, you know, I, I do strongly believe that's... People ask me, what kind of books do you read? That's the kind of books I read. Yeah. If I get eight to ten pages in a book and I'm bored or I'm not interested, 
you know, I'm going to put it down. So. What cuts through? Yeah, any ideas of a genre or you know, yeah, this exactly. is this is higher, this is lower, this yeah. is nah. Read a book, and if you know, if it grabs you, then it's it's a good book. Yeah, exactly. I mean, there's the, the idea of high and low fiction. There's only good and bad fiction. Yeah. High and low is a ridiculous. There will idea. be people out there, or perhaps not out there, but there will be people. You're going. That's <laughs> completely wrong. Of course there is. Yeah. Listen, uh, academics, feel free to write in and yeah. prove us wrong. Have you read your uh, Harold Bloom? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've read my Harold Bloom, and uh, it gets <laughs> me to sleep at night. I'll say yeah. that much. Yeah. You know, it's uh, absolutely. Yeah. It works as a doorstop. <laughs> right, we're going to finish off with the, the, the Scotch Way five questions. Oh, you forgot right. about those. I did warn yeah, you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, 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 I Ali, uh, did warn me about this, and I haven't thought about this, and uh, I'm oh. now going to have to think of some answer that makes me appear. Relatively cool and intelligent on the spot. That's the difficult so, thing. It's not. Yeah, it's yeah, not yeah. the truth. It's the perception. Okay. All right. Favorite writer. Uh, favorite writer. Okay. Right. Um, I, and there is no. It can be anything. Okay. You know? Okay. Right. Um, I'm. I'm gonna go. Right. I'm gonna have to go with a couple here. Right. Um, and some of these may repeat themselves in later questions. Sure. Look at, looking at the pad of paper. Yeah. Um, my favourite writer probably overall is uh, Georges Luis Borges, right. um, the Argentinian writer. Now, this is kind of because um, in my kind of late teens, I got really, really into Borges and studied him for my undergraduate dissertation. And it's been a bit of a kind of obsession for me over the years. I just love the fact that his fiction was everything I kind of wanted to do with fiction. It wasn't that sort of um, dreary character piece anytime it was always about ideas it was always about um, things that you thought were impossible mm-hmm. and he took you to impossible places and he if you were willing to put time and effort in he played practical jokes with you and that was kind of the fun so he was exciting for that um, at the same time I don't know I, I'm a big Paul Oster fan right. uh, I'm also a big kind of hard-boiled crime fan to say the least uh, Chester Himes uh, mm-hmm. is one of my favourite, favourite writers. Um, Real Cool Killers and Cotton Comes to Harlem. I really recommend if no one's ever heard of him. Very, very, very interesting writer. Um, and as well, I would throw in Mark Z. Danileski, who's an American writer. Right, I don't know that at all. Um, I'll throw in Flannery O'Connor as oh, well yes. for the gender balance, I think. Um, Flannery O'Connor, for me, short story-wise, was just extraordinary. Absolutely extraordinary writer, what she could do in such a minimal space. And... Uh, I always enjoyed just going back to that and, and rereading for the benefit of that. Okay, fantastic. A lot of Americans, South Americans. A lot of Americans and South Excellent. Americans, yeah. Right. yeah, yeah. So. Um, okay, well, what follows on from that may have similar names. It is favourite novel. Uh, okay, this is a tie-up. Um, and it's that way. Do you know um, when you read a great book, it's sometimes made all the better by where you are at the time. Like, as Absolutely, in, you know, yeah. set and setting and all that yeah. kind of thing. Um, R.K. Narayans, it's called The Vendor of Sweets. Right. Um, Vendor of Sweets? Yeah, he's an, in, he's an Indian author. Uh-huh. Um, and it's a tiny little, almost novella. Um, and it's effectively about a traditional Indian man and his, his son returns from America with an American wife and obviously all the problems that causes within traditional Indian culture. Sure. And he's also, he has a design for a writing machine. And the writing machine writes novels. It automatically writes novels, so no one ever has to write against Okay. Idea. So it's like monkeys in a typewriter. Effectively, right? yeah. Um, and it sounds a kind of big concept, but it's actually a beautiful little micromanaged story about everyday life in India, and you get very, very attached to this guy's life. Um, it's, it's just, for a very brief piece of work, it's just stunning. Um, and 
the reason I say set and set, I was living in uh, Paris mm-hmm. in Marais at the time, which makes me sound a hell of a lot cooler than I actually am. Uh, but I was living. In, go for it. I was living in um, a, a flat the size of the microphone that we're talking into. So you were living in a garret in yeah, Paris, basically, really, smoking yeah. goulas, and that's you know, that's exactly the pelo. vibe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's it. And you know, drinking a hell of a lot. I had just, consumption. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, basically, um, the Moulin yeah, yeah, Two friends, uh, two friends of mine, uh, and me. You know, we worked like two jobs Fantastic. all year. Went away, did that, and. Uh, it's that way of the setting just made it for me because it was yeah. it, it was it was a great book to read at that time. Um, the other the other book I throw in uh, just for 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 enjoyment. You say enjoyment, and it's it's nine hundred page long. Mark Z. Danileski, who I mentioned, mm-hmm. um, he wrote a book, House of Leaves, um, which oh, no, is I've heard of that. yeah. I mean, it's immensely pretentious. Uh, it's very OTT, but I just find it incredibly exciting. It's a really really breathtaking book. It, it follows on from I think. In the previous podcast, Kirsty Neary was talking about Infinite Jest by David Foster Wallace. Yes, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, Foster, David Foster Wallace takes footnote to an extreme. Mark Zendanleski takes it even further, if anything. Okay. Um, and he uses typography and he uses uh, the design and the layout and the idea of what a book actually is to tell a horror story. It's a really, really impressive book and... I do recommend reading it under the influence. It's a very special book for Excellent. that. Excellent. Okay, um, again, the set and the setting. Set and set. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Listen, I think pretension is highly underrated <laughs> myself. Um, Favourite film? Uh, right. Is this the point in the podcast where there's like a 20 minute pause? Um, where you're trying to come up with it? Okay. Oh. All right. Oh, oh, oh no. Okay. Listen, okay. Hey, you can, you'll um, change your mind tomorrow. Okay. I'm sure you yep, will. Yep, yep, yep. I'll be phoning you tomorrow with, with the change of mind. Okay. Again, I have to I have to pick a couple here yeah, and I'll be very, fine. very quick about it. Um, the Third Man. Oh, yes. Uh, with uh, Orson Welles yeah. and Joss Cotton. Yeah, yeah. Tremendous film. Astonishing. Um, I saw it, I got taken to the cinema uh, GFT to see it when I was about, I don't know, I was about 12 or something, mm. and it really switched me on to writing in general. Oh, yeah. Um, the. Other ones, uh, Sweet Smell Success. Yes. Uh, Tony Curtis and Alexander Lancaster. McKendrick. I claim yeah. it's a Scottish film. <laughs> Alexander McKendrick is a Scottish filmmaker, yeah, no yeah, doubt about absolutely. it. Absolutely. Oh, I um, love that film. Too. Yeah. I, I just think it's one of the best written, kind of, again, noirish. It's films. absolute brilliant noir. Yeah. And if, yeah. nobody's, if you haven't seen it, by all, you can pick it up for pennies, I think. Absolutely. Probably. And if anyone listening wants a series of really good put down lines for the next 20 years, that movie is a Bible. You're for blind, it. Mr. Just... Magoo. Oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, In fact, it will give you a whole new way of talking about yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Um, the, the other one I throw in is, and do you know, I can never pronounce the name, and this is terrible for an English grad because it's an English term, is Synodoki, uh, uh, New York. Oh Which yes, is, uh, another one. Yeah, the uh, a Charlie Kaufman signed up, signed up, New York. Um, which again is immensely pretentious, but I think is a really, really beautiful mm. work. I think it's it's got depth to it that it's going to get reviewed in uh, in twenty years' time and just blow people yeah. away again. Um, I agree with you. It's a yeah. tremendous film. I'm going to throw in as well, just because. And you, I, you yeah. asked me, what's your favorite film? And I've named four, four now. Yeah. So. Um, <laughs> Uh, Don't worry, no... I, I, again, talking about set and setting, uh, Andrei Rublev um, by Tarkovsky. It's a really, really... I mean, we're talking art house now. We uh, certainly are. As yeah, soon as yeah, Tarkovsky yeah. knows it's yeah. we know. <laughs> yeah. I mean, uh, again, I seem to be naming everything that is, is very, very, you know, post-grad pretension. But yeah, it's it's an astonishing, astonishing movie. Not exactly something you're going to sit down to with pizza on a Saturday night, no. but definitely worth the watch. Yeah, so. You, you didn't do you, you didn't do film because I would imagine no, no, that's no, no, exactly no, 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 no. did film studies with it. 
Absolutely. Listen, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a total film geek. So, that's so let's see if we can keep this one. <laughs> okay, right. Uh, this is going to be even more difficult. Music. Favourite either music, band, singer. And oh, right. Okay. Um, music, singer, band. Uh, right. Okay. Well, saying lately, um, yeah. lately, uh, uh, Bon Hever is yes. definitely, I really, really like the two albums. Uh, you like the second album? Yeah, I love the second yeah, album. Because that yeah, has yeah. caused much, uh, I love it as well, I think it's really good. Chris Ward absolutely hates it. <laughs> right, okay. So, uh, yeah. I th- it's weird it's divided people, I don't get it. I don't get well, it. Well, he right? reckons it's the kind of 80s production, and his argument, and it's a very sound argument, is that 4AD used to release the music that kind of pushed against all the kind of 80s highly produced stuff and now here are people using that production same type of production and they are putting this music out as he admits himself it might not be about that album it might yeah. be a whole kind of yeah, personal yeah. thing he's got and I kind of know what he means but I think as a piece of music I think it's tremendous no I, th- I think it is fantastic and that's definitely been rotation a lot yeah. recently my favourite band overall was probably uh, Tool the American oh, prog yes. rock band um which again paints me as, as the geek that I am, um, but you know I'm I'm big big fan of them. Uh, I've I kind of you know grew up as well on a, a lot of hip hop, so um, bands like uh, Cannibal Ox and um, you know that sort of backpacker rap yeah, as yeah. were a big deal for me uh, in my in my teens. So yeah, I, I'm kind of divided Quite between a, those two. Yeah, I'm just you know with your Tarkovsky under your arm. <laughs> Listening to Tool, yeah, you know. Yeah, it? yeah, the, the, yeah. I mean, anyone listening is thinking, "Wow, the party is totally with him." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. It's uh, just a whole range of very sad interests, yeah. but um, fantastically wide. But, and, uh, but uh, so the final one, okay, and it's the one which everyone kind of goes, "What?" I put event which change your life, but by that I mean you know either a, a, a gig or a performance or whatever, something like that, which you went, "Wow." Okay. Um. Jeez. Um, we might be here a while okay. as, I, as I kind of think of this. Um, I don't know. Um, do you know, actually, I'm, I'm going to go... Um, this, is, this is, again, uh, on the back of the Paris mention, this is not some badge of I'm very well-traveled sort of crap. Um, but I uh, I lived in New York and Brooklyn for a summer with, with two friends again. And again, worked, you know, a whole year to, to kind of go and live This is another Garrett, was yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. So, well, actually, this you, was... You, you the while they were sleeping <laughs> yeah, in the bed, Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, it was kind of like, you know, at oars on the slave ship. Um, but uh, it, it was an extraordinary experience. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I would kind of say that as, a, as an overall experience. Just living there and living that kind of life in uh, a community that we had no real contact with before no understand with yeah. and becoming quite immersed within it um, and it, it was just it was really really exciting and it was a beautiful roasting hot summer and you know it's that way hot summer good friends around new right. friends to be made a lot of music and just having a nice yeah, no, time I mean, you go somewhere was, that you really don't know and you start from scratch almost and there's something fantastic about learning you know more than just being a, a tourist or a holiday maker you learn the ways of, of the, the, what's going on yeah yeah that. I mean absolutely I think you, you kind of you get thrown into it as a local mm. and you know you will stamp on cockroaches as long as uh, everyone else does yeah. and uh, buy the same booze from, from the liquor store and all that sort of thing and you know it is a really different side to it um, so yeah that I mean that was a special experience if it, if it came down to a gig or something like that you know I would say um, James Brown I saw at uh, the Carling Academy years oh, ago, right. like years and years ago, and you, uh, it's the best gig I've ever been to. Yeah. It was the most energetic I've seen anybody at all, yeah. um, and he, we stood there for about half an hour afterwards applauding for an encore, 
and he never came out and did one. And you thought, like, he, he kind of switched it was probably like, the, again, going back to Sinatra, apparently Sin- when last time Sinatra played, I think it was Parkhead, you know, my, the taxi driver that was, I was what's going on tonight? So I said, oh, Frank's, Frank. Frank's <laughs> Parkhead. And he went, you know, they were shouting for an encore. He never does an encore. Yeah. He basically leaves the gig, he gets in the car, he's halfway he to the, the airport yeah. while everyone else is yeah. still standing. That was it. You know, I mean, James Brown was probably in London by the time we, we left. He's working man show. Exactly. And, you know, it, it was, it actually switched me on a lot of things of, um, it kind of switched me on to stick to your guns yeah. as, a, as a performance idea. If you've got one performance style, stick to it. And and he really did. He went. There's a show. That's yeah. it. He went out. He did ninety minutes of the best. You know, you you've seen, and then he went back to his hotel. Yeah. And that was it. I have no problem yeah. with that at all. Yeah. And I think yeah. I mean, it's it's those kind of influential experiences you get from it. But uh, yeah, I'm I'm afraid I, I have to be completely vague. Then again, that's um, fantastic. That sort of no, I well, I mean, James Brown, and that's a hell of a way to finish. <laughs> well, I think God. Time's cracking on with this. Yeah, I'm afraid I, I've rabbited on for, no, for a quite right, a while. That's what we're here for. We have no limits on these things until one day Ian looks over and goes, it stopped working. <laughs> um, but that's not happening. He's, he's, so. not, he's not been recording for the last half hour, actually. <laughs> <but it's, laughs> oh, shit, I forget to do this. Yeah, he's, he's double-checking it now. You know? <laughs> well, uh, that was great. Thanks for Mark coming around. And pleasure, I say, pleasure. it probably was a bit of a loving, but Mark's a friend of mine, and I, you know, in, enjoy everything that Cargo does. Um, so yeah that's about it for this week I uh, hope you enjoyed it as well as much as we enjoyed obviously talking <laughs> over a couple of beers and uh, I'm not sure what we're doing next time but I'm sure it'll be fantastic see you soon mm-hmm.